Welcome to the Fat Loss Uncomplicated podcast. This is episode 16. We are here with the amazing Grace. Although I can't see her right now, I'm going to trust that she's there. How are you, Grace? I'm here. I'm not Casper. I'm not a ghost. Yeah, I'm good. Mm. Uh, I'm not quite as sore as normal because I've actually got a high rocks competition tomorrow. So I've kind of tapered a little bit. So I'm actually feeling all right. My legs, I ran a 10k yesterday quite slow, but I'm doing a mixed pairs competition tomorrow. So it's just for a bit of bunter. So I'm kind of having a rest day today and we'll see how tomorrow goes. This is strange. Grace, not sore. I know. Did you see in somebody's check-in, they're like, I like finding out how sore Grace is every week. Who <laughs> <laughs> put like, that, little fuckers? <laughs> give the people what they want. So yeah, sorry guys, I'm not quite as sore. Uh, but next week I'll, I'll, I will update you on my soreness and I'll let you know how we did at the competition. Hopefully we're not last. Yeah, so what, what, what competition is it tomorrow? Tell me a little bit. It's a, basically, it's a high rocks simulation. So it's a full high rocks, but the running is slightly cut down and they've put more burpee broad jumps in. I think just for time wise, that's why they've done it. But basically, did you just say burpee broad jump? Burpee broad jumps are part of high rocks. So I think in total, I counted up, we have to do two. That's a burpee straight into a broad jump. Yep. We've got to do 260 of those. So more than the normal high rocks because there's less running. Yeah, it's going to be gnarly. I'd say I'll take us maybe an hour and a half or so to get through everything. Um, so it's a bit of fun. Like me and Mark haven't done anything fitness-wise together in ages. So it'll be a full day because it's about three and a half hours traveling there and back. So yeah, we'll be sore tomorrow, but not today. Uh, it's a bit of fun. I love how you just chuck it off like it's, a, it's an hour and a half of burpees, broad jumps. It's a bit yeah. of fun. Torture. <laughs> like a bit of torture self-inflicted yeah. torture <laughs> anyway today we are going to have a chat about fitness and mental health um we touched on it a, was it the last episode we touched on it a little bit in the yeah, q a we did. Um, but people seem to enjoy that aspect of 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 the of the podcast so we're going to touch on it a little more and I know me and Grace, well, I'm not going to say it like we're special, like, oh, we've had our own experiences with mental health, but I think everyone does, doesn't they? And I think that's that's a clear point that I wanted to make at the start of this podcast. Like when we're talking about mental health, there's a difference between mental health and mental illness. Like they're not the same thing. Like everyone has mental health, not everyone has a mental illness. So when we're talking about all this stuff in the podcast, I don't want some smart ass to comment and think, hmm, telling someone with depression to try think about this more positively is fucking, all right, we get it. We're not speaking to everyone with depression right now, hoping that a podcast is going to somehow fucking bring them out of the, the lows that they're in. But when we speak about mental health, this is everyone's daily fluctuation that we're speaking about. So that's that's sort of what we're going to touch on today. But anyway, have you got anywhere you wanted to start with this one, Grace? I think when it comes to mental health and your mood, I think the importance of what you do for yourself, your self-care, cannot be underestimated. And I think sometimes just even for even for your mental health, your mental clarity, something as simple as a walk outside can be 
can be the difference in changing your mood and changing how you feel and giving you a little bit of perspective. And I think, you know, the old saying is movement is medicine. And, you know, so movement, whether it's a walk, whether it's a gym session, whether it's a couple of dumbbells at home, you know, that that movement is part of your self-care and it is going to improve your mood. I mean, there's never a time when I've done a training session and when I regretted that. I mean, yes, I've been really bloody sore, but I've never come out of any kind of activity <laughs> or, you know, I've never come out of an activity or a sport or a gym session or a walk and went, oh, that was fucking terrible. I feel worse for it. Y you never have. So, you know, the endorphin rush, the dopamine that you get from movement, it, it is self-care. I think we kind of think we're, we're, in the, we're in the phase society where self-care is bubble baths and spa days. And yes that's a part of it that is that's a part of self-care and you know if you want to go for that great but i mean that requires a fair bit of money you know self-care is actually going for a walk you know doing something that improves your health and your mental health will also see an upward tick from you investing in your self-care so i think don't forget that movement is self-care you know, and that is also a part of helping you improve how you feel in yourself and improving your mental health. I, I could not agree more with that. And I think we, we touched on this a little bit in the last one. And it is it is the most simple things that do have the biggest impact on your mental health. We, we, we talked about communication with with just a friend. And, and we, we touched on this coming down from actually therapy. Like you need to have someone you can communicate with honestly and openly about how you are feeling. We talked about just getting some sort of movement in, like you've said there, a walk. We've talked about sunlight. Again, another absolute basic that is a big part of mental health, just being outside and getting some sunlight. We talked about fueling your body correctly. That is obviously going to be a massive part of how you impact how you feel day to day like if you feel like shit physically because you're not fueling your body correctly it's 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 pretty fucking rare that you're going to be sunshine and rainbows up top if you feel like shit physically but yeah i i completely agree i think the simple things that you can do for yourself have the biggest impact on your mental health and i think i wanted to i wanted to start this podcast by sort of just going over why it is so important to sort of force yourself to try see things more positively. And I think I heard this on another podcast, but it makes complete sense when I think that humans are kind of genetically hardwired to have a negative bias towards things. Like if you imagine roll, rolling a ball down a hill and at one side you're going to roll off to being more positive and the other side you're going to roll off to being slightly more negative, as humans, we all roll slightly towards a, a bias towards negativity. This is this has come from sort of a, an evolutionary standpoint in the sense that for humans to evolve and stay alive, we had to have a bias towards seeing the negative outcomes of everything. Thousands of years ago, like seeing the negative in every situation was literally life or death. So we had to do it. And for that reason, in any situation in life now, we are more primed to notice negative things and we're more likely to remember the negative things more vividly as well. 
And I think part of that comes down to the fact that we just learn more from negative outcomes and negative experiences. The biggest growth that you have in your life all comes through adversity, doesn't it? Like yeah. if you think about how you've shaped who you are now, a lot of the big shaping points or turning points in your life probably come from the toughest times. And you think I wouldn't be who I am today without that shit time happening to me. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Like, it, even if I go from experience, like losing my dad, you know, that kind of, yes, it took me nine years to kind of make a change, but that was a big catalyst for me, you know, changing my life, you know, and uh, somebody said to me the other day, you know, obviously you'd rather your dad be here, you know, obviously that, that goes without saying, of course, but losing my dad really shaped my life in ways that it wouldn't have otherwise, and where I am today, that's, that's a massive part of it, you know, and then the adversity that I felt from being so overweight, you know, from carrying what an extra 160 pounds, you know, that was it, that was negative. What I, the how I felt in myself was so negative. So carrying that around, that, that kind of forced me to make a change, you know, so there, there, there is definitely something to be said for say, having and feeling adversity and coming through it. You know, you, you make great leaps and bounds from overcoming that and it makes you stronger mentally and I think physically as well and emotionally. Did you did you gain weight after your dad's death? Yeah. yeah so was that sort of would you say that that probably tied it that tied into why you gained it? Yeah. Oh, massively. Like, cause dad yeah. died just suddenly when I was 21. So about a couple of months before I graduated, just like gone on a Monday um heart attack and obviously yeah. like all my all my life's plans were changed like i wouldn't be here i was planning to go and live in germany i would i'd got a web design job wanted to kind of live abroad but that all everything changed had to stay home look after my mom um and ate my feelings just spent nine years eating my feelings not wanting to go anywhere you know i was the daddy's girl always massively mom will still tell you that so you know, not that you have favorites, but that's just the way that I was always the daddy's girl, you know, and always the apple of my dad's eye is the only girl. So losing him had such a huge negative effect in every way, career, physically, mentally, emotionally, you know, and it was nine years before I kind of got myself out of that. But I mean, I had to fight for that change, you know, and that, that really mm. shaped who I am today. Would you say there was one specific turning point within that nine years where you thought, right, now is the time, now is the time I'm going to take action, now is the time it's going to happen? Or would you say it was a very gradual, a gradual thing where it, it sort of burnt you down to a point where you thought, it's got to change now? I think there was two, two, one small thing and one big thing. The small thing was I was, my background was a web designer, so I was working in a, in a desk job and a I was sat at my desk and I went, I was chanting to somebody behind me in one of those roller chairs, rolled back to the desk and couldn't fucking reach the desk. Couldn't reach my keyboard anymore because I was so fat. Like I was literally so big and my stomach was so big. I couldn't reach my keyboard. I was like, oh God, like Grace, you know, like it doesn't seem a lot not reaching your keyboard at work. But I mean, I, I kind of took a look at myself no, and no. I, looked, I looked nine months pregnant. You know, I look bigger than a pregnant woman. Um, so I was like, that this something's got to change. And I suppose that was the small thing. But the big one was when mom was kind of going through the family tree and we actually counted up in our family. Now there's more since, unfortunately. But at that time, there was 11 members of our family had died suddenly from heart attacks. 11. And I'm talking not like your great no. fucking 
granny 10 times removed like immediate i'm talking within the cousins aunts uncles obviously my father 11 members of our family that had died from heart attacks and i'm sitting there at 21 stone you know i'm i'm, I'm just yeah, waiting. Call. yeah i'm waiting on the heart attack so i think that was the big one and then the small one was like not reaching my desk and it kind of those two coming together at near enough quite close to each other was like right do something it's crazy that isn't it like uh, two 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 very specific moments that have stuck with you in a nine-year period that thought they're the two things that made me kick myself up my ass and, and make a change that's that's yeah. wild it doesn't have to be big that's the thing like it doesn't have to be you don't have to get nearly hit by a bus or something you know sometimes it, it, it and actually the desk one was the one that did it it was the desk one because that that was that was in the morning i vividly remember it was the 18th of june i think it was like what i think it's 2013 and i it happened in about nine o'clock not long after i got to work and i remember ringing my mom at 10 o'clock on my tea break and going through all the shit out of the house i'm i'm doing something you know and that was it that day i love that that was it and i made that decision rang mom i was living at home at the time because i was looking after her and i was like right through the shit out of the house i'm doing something and mom was like okay consider it done you know and it was the desk <laughs> it was the desk that actually did it and it was it seems so small when you kind of people go grace why did you change <laughs> and you tell that story and you're like really that there wasn't anything like that and i'm like no, no but to be fair like when when i'm on consultations with people and i ask like has there been has there been a moment or a trigger as to why you decided to get in touch with me it is always tiny little things like oh, i tried this one dress on and i always look great in this dress but that at one time I tried it on, I looked horrendous. And that, that that one sighting in the mirror was what made me turn and think I need to change. It's never a massive thing, is it? No. And it's, I think people sometimes think something massive is going to happen and it's going to change their, it's going to change their mind and they'll make a change when that big thing happens. And it's the fucking small things. It's the wee small things that happen or something inconsequential. Somebody said something, you can't fit into a dress. You can't reach the desk at work. You know, those are the things that you go, right, you know, I, I need to do something. So let's touch on some of, we know the importance of trying to see things more positively. And like I mentioned, we are sort of hardwired to have a slight more negative bias towards situations. And we're more likely to remember the traumas in our life than the positive things that happen. But let's let's touch on some ways that, people can start to implement this more positive way of living into the life. And I think number one for me is, is sort of actively questioning negative self-talk. And I think this is one that you've touched on quite a few times when you talk to clients, like how you talk to yourself is everything. Like you create a story in your head about what you're capable of, who you are, what sort of person you are. And when you negatively talk to yourself, that, shapes the story that you're creating and the story that you tell yourself is more important than the actual reality that you live in because it shapes your your capabilities through life like if you tell yourself i'm 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 never gonna be someone who loses this weight like you won't you won't lose the weight if you tell yourself you're not the type of person that can do it so your the story you tell yourself is everything and and how you talk to yourself negatively massively shapes that doesn't it yeah and i think I'll, i always like kind of use the example 
most people have a best friend or a very close friend um and if your best friend talked to you how you talk to yourself you would absolutely tell them to fuck off and i think just remind yourself of that whenever you're whenever you're talking to yourself talk to yourself how your best friend would talk to you and they would be like you know you're 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 kind you're sweet you know you've got good style you know people want to be around you it doesn't have to be all looks related you know like remind yourself of the things that your best friend would tell you you know or someone that loves you would tell you and don't listen to all of the negative thoughts that's going to be swirling around start to change those around and when you catch them be aware of them i think there's there's research done that uh, women talk negatively to themselves at least something like 40 times a day you know imagine like somebody walking around after you doing your day-to-day life and they're behind you and they're they're you're telling they're telling you shit about yourself like by the time you got to the end of the day you'd feel fucking terrible like you'd feel like the worst of the worst somebody walking around going you're fat you're ugly you never find anybody love you imagine hearing that like 50 40 times a day you're bound to go to bed and feel shit about yourself but imagine if you had like a hype queen behind you being like, you know, like, got this. yeah, you've got this, you can do this, you know, this is, re- you know, this is really positive, you know, try this new activity, you can, you'll be able to do it. You know, imagine how good you'd go to bed feeling. And I think, you know, yes, those are extremes. That's but essentially what we do. Yeah, that is, you know, and that that's, it's a ma- self-talk. That is self-talk, but, you know, it's like the saying is whether you believe time. you can or you believe you can't, it's true. Yeah, I fully agree with that. The next one I've written down here is you've you've got to try reframing situations in your head. And this is this is huge when it comes to sort of diet and exercise. Like how many clients do we have that will miss a workout and do everything else perfectly within the week, but because they missed that one fucking workout? They'll think the week has gone, it's not good enough. I never feel guilty for missing a workout ever because straight away, if I can't make it to the gym, I just reframe it in my head. And I think I haven't missed a workout. I've chose to rest my body straight away. We've reframed something from a negative to a choice that I am making, which is positive, right? A lot of clients will think I overate this weekend. No, you didn't. You allowed yourself two days at maintenance to enjoy a couple of social occasions and live your life to the fullest. The scenario is exactly the same, but how you frame that situation in your head will massively determine the guilt behind it, the positivity behind it. It massively matters how you can look at a situation and think, is it really that bad? Or can I reframe this into a positive in my mind? Yeah. And I think my thing, you'll probably hear on voice notes, I always say to clients, like, zoom out a little bit. You're too zoomed in. And we all tend to be quite zoomed in when we're looking at our week or how our day is going. It's like, zoom out and actually be able to see that there's tons of positives there, but you're too zoomed in on just the two higher calorie days and you've totally forgotten about your other five days. I think a a good little thing to ask yourself at probably the end of every day is, or even this could be part of your journaling. Like, if if you just ask yourself, what negative thoughts have I had today? And then literally write them down and try find a way to reframe them. Like you might, just going off a call I've had today, you might think a client a client has joined our coaching. They're struggling to get on board with the nutrition. They feel like they failed for the first few weeks because they haven't managed to hit the targets correctly with the calories or the protein. 
and overall they feel a little bit down about this and the the way to reframe that is you might think well yes i've joined a new coaching team the purpose behind this coaching team is to put myself in a situation that i'm i'm not used to to change my habits to change my behaviors and yes that might be uncomfortable at first but the whole purpose of this is for me to experience growth physically mentally and I'm not going to experience that without putting myself out of my comfort zone and in a in a different scenario to what I'm in now, which is clearly not serving me. Yeah. And I think the more that you can start look, thinking and sort of catching the negative thoughts that you've got going on and then consciously trying to look at them and reframe them, you have to force yourself to do this. Do you know what I mean? Like that's why when people are journaling and sort of practicing gratitude, like you've got to force these things or else it doesn't just happen. You don't just magically start seeing the positive side of everything. You don't just ma magically start see feeling gratitude towards the day that you experienced yesterday. You've got to actively reframe these things and spot the more positive scenario in everything that you're doing. Yeah, um, that's, that's And I think the next, sorry, what were you going to say? I was just going to say that I think people kind of now, I think, people want change but they want to stay comfortable and i think that the cold the cold truth of it is growth doesn't happen when you're comfy and and if you're expecting to grow and be super comfy it's just not going to happen you can't stay exactly the same which is where you're comfortable and expect to grow and change and improve you've got to be a bit uncomfortable and growth is a bit uncomfortable but it's going to take you to where you want to go so i think Get comfortable being uncomfortable and know that if you're a little bit uncomfy, you're actually on your way to changing and growing. It's not always going to be like that, but don't expect to stay comfy. I fucking love that, you know. Like, I, I, I genuinely think like if, if you're going through life and you're thinking, in the last one to two months, I've not experienced anything that's made me feel slightly uncomfortable. Like that is a set secure way of knowing you are not growing as an individual. Yeah, You have to experience the uncomfortable. Like, the best quote that I can think of to explain this is, nothing changes if nothing changes. Yeah, like You've got to change something to experience a change in your life. So, And you, you're right, more than often that, that change does feel uncomfortable at the start, but it's what it's 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 your seeking of comfortable scenarios that's got you overweight do you know what i mean like it's that's that's what's got you to this point so you've got to go in the opposite direction the other one that i was going to mention grace was observing patterns as well i think aside from sort of questioning your negative self-talk and reframing situations i think it a big part of understanding how to be more positive and feel better every single day is observing patterns. Like when do you feel down and why? I think a lot of people often dwell in the situation of how I feel, but they never retrace the steps and think, how did I get here? What, what were the triggers that got me to this point? And how could I potentially avoid being here again in the future? Like as a personal example, I always feel at my lowest when I feel overwhelmed because I've sort of ignored a situation or procrastinated for too long to a point where I feel overwhelmed and like it's too big to handle. That's where I know that I always feel at my lowest. 
But because I've sort of spotted that pattern in my life, Mm. I've started to consciously make effort now to be more organized, be more proactive and avoid getting to a point where I procrastinate on something to a point where I feel like it's going to overwhelm me. So just by spotting patterns within your life, when you feel down, why do I feel down? Retrace my steps. What got me to this point? How could I potentially put an intervention in place to make sure I don't get here again? And this is where I was going to chat about pattern interrupts, because once you've observed a pattern, it really helps to find little things to interrupt that pattern. Like when you find yourself focusing on the negatives or you're feeling down or you're feeling upset, you need something that is going to interrupt that pattern of your feelings and redirect your attention somewhere else. And I think this is where we, this is where we would say, right, just get out on a walk, like do something that is going to take your attention from where you are now to somewhere different. And I think the best way to do that is to try find an activity that you can do that takes all your focus in a positive way. So you might think, right, I feel down today. You might retrace your steps and observe the pattern, but the pattern interrupt could be playing with your kids. When I'm playing with my kids, I'm not thinking about anything else that's going on. I'm just having fun with them. That could be the pattern interrupt, which takes all your focus, but it's in a positive way. And you stop thinking about the negative comment that you heard earlier today or that thing that you saw online, which really pissed you off. And the other option is you find something that relaxes you to a point where you start thinking much clearer. So that's where I'd go down the route of take a bath, like breath work, things like this, something that is going to calm you to a point where you can just think a lot clearer about whatever's gone on that day. Um, Have you got anything you would add to that? Yeah, I think that's huge. And I think because also it applies to things like emotional eating, you know, because we would go through that with clients that emotionally eat you know they would be like oh guys i've had a really high calorie day got stressed at work and i've just ate you know i've just smashed a domino's 1200 calorie pizza and i'm like right forget about the pizza kind of think back what has made you feel emotional what has made you feel stressed why did you decide to take that action you know and, and look at the trigger then look at the emotion and kind of think that through so that the next time you feel that particular emotion and you have that trigger, what would you do differently? And that massively applies to emotionally. And that's that's going to take practice. That doesn't suddenly just happen. But emotionally, and it's taking your, your thoughts and your feelings and just using food to cover them over so that you don't have to then actually think about or look at those thoughts and feelings. And it's hard to take those thoughts and feelings and just put them on the table and look at them. But that's what we have to do so that we get ourselves out of that emotional eating cycle. So I think, you know, inter- looking at your thoughts and behaviours and your feelings and then kind of interrupting those, as you've said, is going to be massive because that plays into things like stress eating and emotional eating as well. And there's where you can start to kind of break those cycles. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like when, if a client knows that they're emotionally eating, like it, it, fair that you've, you've let it happen, but the thing that we really want to do is look at the situation and learn from it next time and understand, right. I know that I'm in a pattern that normally leads to emotional eating. I need to take a step back from it this time, understand where I am, understand that I'm going to go down that path and interrupt it, do something different, get yourself out of the house. Like a change in environment at that point can sometimes be 
huge. Mm-hmm. Like, let's say you're prone to emotionally eating after a fight with your partner. Get out the house. Just fucking, I'm not just saying bail without saying anything and just take the car and the kids and fuck off. That's not what I'm saying. But if you leave the house and change your environment, immediately you're in a different headspace. Immediately you're out of the environment where emotional eating happens and you've broke away from it. That's your pattern interrupt. So it massively helps you, right? The last one I was going to touch on is just letting things go. Like we all struggle with this. I, I... I struggle when I'm late for something and it's not a good thing because I'm late for a lot of things, but I experience this all the time. Like if I'm late for something that I don't want to be late for, I will then let the fact that I'm late ruin the thing that I'm late for that I was really happy about showing up to. So like, let's say I'm, I'm late for a meal out with some friends or whatever. Because I'm late, I will show up pissed off and in a negative headspace. And I've literally got the choice. When I arrive late, yes, I'm late. It's happened. But I'm here now. I've literally got that choice to think I could drop how I'm feeling and just enjoy the fact that I'm here now. My friends are here. I can enjoy the meal. Or I can dwell on the fact that I was late and let that ruin the meal. And how many times I have let it ruin the meal and and just let that fucking fact that I'm late piss me off and carry on pissing me off throughout the rest of the evening is wild. It's wild how many times I've done that. But now I'm starting to sort of, I've got a lot of these flowing around in my head because there's a lot of things that I do that I know I shouldn't do, but that's life, isn't it? But I think letting things go and having an awareness that, this is something that sticks with me and I need to stop. I need to stop letting this negative headspace sort of affect the rest of my day moving forwards. And I'm talking about small things here, but in a, in a broader sense, we all know that person that sort of had a bad breakup four years ago and still won't fucking shut up about it. And it's like, when are you going to let this go? Like people struggle letting things go, don't they, on a small scale and on a large one. Yeah, and I think even down to like somebody's had a, a you know like a, a bit of a blowout weekend, and the next week all they talk about is that weekend or those higher calorie days, you know. And it's like let be like Elsa or Frozen, like let it go, you know, like it's gone, <laughs> it's done, you know, let it go. Focus on this week. You cannot change the past. You cannot undo decisions that were made, but you have the choice as to how you move forward, as to how you react to them, as to how you respond to them. So make the choice to make this day, this meal, this workout really, really, really positive. You hold the part. Nobody is holding that part over you. You know, like how you feel, how you think is within you, as cheesy as that sounds. And, you know, you can choose to respond to like a bit of a blowout weekend and go, oh, fucked up. You know, I'm going to put on weight. It's just pure shit. Can't do this. I'm going to get stuck. You know, what's the fucking point? Or you can go, right, higher calorie weekend. It's done. Could have, could have maybe approach that slightly differently. I'll take some learning from that. I'm going to have a really positive week going forward because I have the power to do that. And I think that's big. You know, you have the power to decide how you approach things, how you respond to things. You know, things can happen. They'll always happen. But how do you react to them is the key. Huge, huge. One more thing that I was going to touch on that sort of 
taps into the emotional eating side of things. And this is because essentially emotional eating is it's blocking out negative emotions with eating being the coping mechanism, isn't it? Yeah. And one thing that I was going to mention today was like, you can't choose to block out the negative emotions, but then experience all the positive ones. Like you can't truly feel the highs when you are numbing the lows. And I think that's really important to understand for those people that are turning to food because like you have to feel everything or nothing. You will experience the highs if you are numbing the lows. And I think that that massively ties into emotional eating when people try to numb the lows in their life and they have that shit day and they, and they come home and they eat something and they feel momentarily better, but then they stop reacting to all the highs in the life and they start feeling numb to everything. And it's, it's true that if, if you are numbing the lows, you are going to struggle to feel the highs as well. You feel everything or you feel nothing. And you see that with people that are actually mentally ill as well, when they can't, they just feel numb to everything. And it's yeah. like, that's not where you want to be, is it? Yeah. And like, I, I felt that even like the nine years I was using food as a coping mechanism, you know, as a, as something kind of as an emotional crutch in a way, you know, there was, I can't remember a massive amount of that nine years where I had an absolutely fantastic time. And it was mm. because... I mean, I'm sure there probably were good times in there. I literally can't fucking remember one in nine years. But it was because there was a real level of numbness, as you said, because food was my coping mechanism. That's why I kept everything at bay. There was a numbness there. There was a nothingness. I just lived in the nothingness, you know, and it, then I never really got to fully enjoy or experience enjoyment in a lot of other things to the point where I can't remember anything in that nine years where it was fucking fantastic that really sticks out to me. I'm not saying I was miserable for nine years. Well, I wasn't fucking all that happy, but you know, I didn't, I wasn't depressed, shall we say. I didn't have a mental illness or anything in that nine years. I, I was just pretty miserable, but I can't remember anything in my memories that sticks out to me where I went, that was a fucking brilliant day. And it's because most of that nine years, I was a little bit numb. Mm. But it, it does tie into what I said back at the start of the sense, in the sense that we are, we have a tendency to not only register negative things more readily, but to remember them for longer too. Like the fact that you look back on that nine years and you can't think of one positive moment or one positive thing that serves a purpose in your brain now to never fucking go back there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> You're not going to go back there with that thought in your head thinking, I can't remember one positive thing out of nine years. But that, that that's probably your brain doing yourself a favor in a sense. Yeah, yeah. There's there, there's no going back there now. You know, like it's and if that's if that does me a positive, then I mean, I'll take it. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> well, not with how much you exercise now. It's definitely no. not happening. <laughs> definitely not. I don't know one 21 stone female that's doing as much high rocks as you, but I'd love to see that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would like to see that and like kudos to them if they are. <laughs> <laughs> one more thing I wanted to mention, showing up at your best. When we talk about this, I think a lot of women and a lot of women that we coach 
would massively improve the quality of their life and they would be able to show up to the things they truly care about in a better mental headspace if they learn to just say no more often. And you often find this with um, probably more mums, probably more mums that I think because you might get into that headspace from having kids and just feeling like, all these responsibilities are mine. And then suddenly you end up in a bit of a mindset where you don't really say no to anything. You just feel like it's your duty to take all this shit. How many women do we speak to in this scenario where they just think I've got no time or mental headspace to focus on myself? Like I am the bottom of my priority list. And they're the people that struggle to say no. Like you cannot show up at your best for everything but you can show up at your best for what's truly important to you if you can manage the fact of I've got to say no to a series of other things to focus on what's really important to me. That's huge, I think. Yeah, and I think so many moms are just so, they're just right at the bottom of their list. And like how many client mom, like clients or moms do we find like after like three, four, six weeks early on in the program, they're going like, I feel so much better as a person, as a mom, because... I'm actually like looking after myself. I have more energy. I feel more confident. I feel better about myself. And it's because they're not the bottom of the list. They're actually making time for themselves. They're doing something that's for for themselves. And I think the big thing is a lot of moms think that getting coaching or investing in themselves is selfish. That that's that's selfish. They should should put that money towards the kids or towards groceries um, or towards like car insurance. You know, yes, obviously, though, all those things need to be bought and had. But you also deserve to look after yourself and always say, like, a happy woman that's a mom is also a better mom. She has more energy for her kids, for her partner, for life, for work. She's more productive. She's more clear headed. You know, she she's better able to take care of people that she needs to. You know, and that is something to kind of not miss when you're a mom, that you don't have to be at the bottom of your list and looking after you and investing in you is self-care. And that is going to make you not just a better woman, but a better partner, a better a better mom as well. And it's not selfish to do that. Yeah. And the analogy for that is when the plane is going down and the fucking face masks come down and they say, put your own face mask on before helping others. There's a fucking reason for that. It's so you can breathe to help other people. You sort yourself out and then you can help others. And that is exactly the same when we think about getting a coach as a mum. Like it's not selfish because the benefit that you will get, you offload that to other people. You will show up better for your kids. And I'm guaranteeing you, your kids want a mum that is happy and healthy, not a fucking miserable fucker that can't chase them around or play with them because they're constantly fucking tired and upset and and down. Like that's not what a kid wants. So the investment into yourself, it does come round again. Yeah, it's massive. You know, I, I love to see mums coming on board because I'm like, right, your whole entire family is now going to benefit. Yes, yes. And they don't see that at the time, but they get to a certain point within the coaching and they start to think, yeah, this is actually having a knock-on effect to everything around me. I've got a couple of quotes that I wanted to finish on here, Grace. So, happiness leads to success, not success leads to happiness. 
I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that because so many people have got that twisted and they think if I'm successful, I'll be happy. But really, when you, every every sort of successful person that I think of, they found something that they're happy doing and then they became successful at it. And I think that's that's exactly what I'm doing. I found happiness in something and then I'm trying to become successful. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, same for me. You know, like it's I, I love what I do especially over the last two years you know i've got i i literally adore what i do and that everything's grown for me in every way you know and i think when you find that happiness in you as a person it, first the you know the exponential growth is just massive happiness is more about appreciating what you have than the attainment of more true yeah because if you appreciate what you have you know there's a certain contentment in that so i think appreciate what you have you can always want to challenge yourself to improve but i think realize what you have um and that that's a big one i think yeah because there's so many people that have got a lot that are fucking really unhappy and then there's people that have got absolutely nothing that are the happiest people ever I I remember (laughs) this is coming from a very fucking privileged place here. I know that. But when I've been in the Caribbean, I see some of the people in the Caribbean have absolutely nothing, but they are the happiest people you will ever see. Just like selling little things from a shack in the Caribbean, like little toys, wooden toys. And it's like you, you must have next to nothing in your life, but you see the biggest fucking smile on the face. And it's like, that's proof. That's proof right there. You don't need a lot to be happy. It's more about appreciating what you've got, isn't it? Gratitude and attitude. That's the key to happiness. Yeah. I I, I love all those quotes. Like I always think like if you put good things into the world, if you are a positive person, you know, on the whole and you try and help people live better lives and do what you can. um, I think that that comes around, you know, and if I think about Mm. the people in my life that I know that are quite negative, that are not people I want to spend much time with, I've, I have not seen them grow. And I, I gen, because I see, I've seen that, that connection between trying to live a positive life and do good things and seeing growth, seeing improvement, seeing happiness. And then the people that are negative, that live in that headspace, that don't want to grow, that don't change, you know, the the connection between mindset, attitude and gratitude there, I've seen that in action. So I've, I'm fully behind that. I think what you said there about um, helping other people, like you put goodness out into the world and it'll come back to you. I think that's fucking so true. Like I, I think um, one thing that massively helps me when I'm struggling is helping other people because immediately if you're struggling, but you find someone worse off than yourself and try help them, it completely changes your mindset straight away, doesn't it? From a bit of a victim mindset to, I mean, I'm the empowered one now because I'm trying to help someone else. So I must be the empowered one. And I think that's, that's just a little quick way that when you are feeling shit, when you are feeling down, help someone else straight away try help someone else in whatever way you can because it takes you out of your victimhood and puts you into a place of privilege that you can help someone else so quick and easy but it massively helps yeah my thing is like pay it forward 
I always think if someone does something, you know, nice for me or good for me or gives something to me, I always try and pay it forward. And I would say the same with, with clients, you know, try and pay things forward. Can be a little thing like leaving a parking ticket that has an hour left on the little parking meter. You know, it doesn't have to be fucking massive. Those little things, like you're just paying it forward. And like, I, I generally think, you know, what I live by, if you do good things and you put good shit into the world, that good shit comes back. I, I generally think that those people are happier and healthier and have a much more positive outlook on life and I respond to events better. Yeah, I fully agree with that. I think we'll finish it up there, Grace. You've got yeah. to get off and uh, what is it you're doing? Picking up a treadmill? I'm picking up a treadmill for my brother because he wants a full high rock setup. He's got the ski, he's got the row, he's got the bike, and now he's going to get a treadmill. For any like a like a home gym scenario? His home, he is a home gym. So like he's like, Grace, find me a treadmill. So I find him a treadmill and I've got a van. <laughs> I'm, nice. I'm literally doing it all for him. So yeah, he's going to have a full high rock setup. So next week, I'll let everybody know how sore we were from tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, if we do a podcast next Thursday and you're still sore from tomorrow, you fuck. <laughs> fuck a that's an issue. <laughs> See you soon, guys. See you soon, everyone. Thank you.